Before I get to the, to the message this morning, um, I, I have to inform everyone that, that uh, someone has created a fake email. By the way, this is serious. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes I say something, it's like, a, is he joking? Is he? No, I'm serious. <laughs> but someone create a, has created a fake email account with my name on it. Um, it's, um, and they've been sending out these fraudulent requests to different people saying, saying, hi, this is Pastor Brian. Um, uh, there's this cancer uh, patient who needs a $300 gift card to someplace. And then, if you would, take a picture uh, of the gift card and, and give me the number once you scratch it off on the card there and then send it back to this email address. If you've received that email, please let us know. Call the church. You can also email our IT department, which is tech support at kaimikichristian.org, or just call the church and say, hey, I received one of those emails. I know of six different people who have got a staff, elders, people connected with Common Grace, and all of that stuff. So we have a team of people investigating this, trying to figure out what's going on. Just so you know, the policy is we never, would never, as a church staff, as anything, would ever do anything like that where we say, hey, this is what's going on, give us money type deal. And fact is, if you need money, if you, if you are in a tough bind, talk to a staff member or an elder member. Let us know the concerns of what is going on um, so, so we, could, we could help. Um, official Kaimiki Christian emails always come from, you know, the, the, the name of the person at KaimikiChristian.org. And if you ever get an email and you're like, I don't know about this. This doesn't sound legit. Something doesn't sit right with you. It's probably fake. Call the church. Email the church. Let us know what's going on. Um, and we're going to, you know, continue to, to look into what's going on with all of this. So anyways, if you have got one of those, let us know so we know. We just want to bring it to your attention. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. It happened a few weeks ago, and now it's, it's surfaced again. So that would never happen from anybody on staff at all. You get anything like that, do not respond to it. Just let us know, and we are continuing to investigate it. Make sense? What a great way to start a sermon, huh? <laughs> the world we live in. I mean, it's crazy, but we got to deal with this type of stuff. So that's drama. So let's continue on this thread of drama and talk about family drama. How many of you have family drama? Okay, all right. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're hitting your husband and your wife. You're like, yeah, we got family drama. And uh, we all do. And, um, and I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious. How many of you um, live with your extended family to some degree? You live with your extended family, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Now, there's a big difference. There is a big difference from Southern California to Hawaii. And here's the big difference. In Southern California, we would never say this in Southern California. But I can say it because I'm in Hawaii. Southern California, if your in-laws are around or if your extended family is around, you don't want them around very long. And, and, and you don't, especially you don't want to be living with them. And so... We set, like, boundaries up. Like, yes, your mom could come over for two hours, but after that, I need my me time. <laughs> now, some of you are thinking, oh, man, I wish I could pull that off here, but I just can't. And, and, and in parties, if you have a party in Southern California, it's like the party's from, like, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And if they stay till 4 or 5 p.m., that's rude. 
here in Hawaii, it's like the party starts at 2 and ends whenever it ends. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? You know, I thought I was going to be late to a party a couple of month, about a month ago. And no, I wasn't late to a party because I don't think you'd ever be late to a party here in Hawaii. So there's differences with families. There's differences with what's going on. So here's the deal. If you're single here today, if you have parents here today, if you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, there's something in the message for you. And I'm excited about this series because, like I've said before, we're doing this relationship series because this is what the needs of our congregation are. And if you're here for first-time guests this morning, if you're here for the first time, we're glad you're here. We'd love to get to know you, get to know the people around you. If you get a chance, come say hi to me or any of the pastors. We're glad that you're here. But our series is Healthy Relationships, and we are designed for relationships. God created us for relationships. And we're going to look at this and see what we could do to continue to thrive in relationships. But every family has drama. If you think your family has the most drama out of any other family, all you have to do is read the Bible. (laughs) Because we read things like this. The first family, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and later on they had Seth, but Cain and Abel, Cain killed his brother Abel. That's drama. Say drama. Yeah, so, so then Abraham and Sarah made a drastic mistake when they invited Hagar to be the third person in their marriage. You can figure that one out. That's never a good idea. David's family experienced adultery, deception, murder. That's drama. Say drama. Peter denied Jesus three times. Judas betrayed Jesus. And the list could go on and on and on and on. And sadly, the conditions have not changed. We make mistakes, we're, we're, we're fallible, we have issues, all these types of things. But no matter how dismal your family situation is, there is always hope. No matter how dismal your situation is, there is always hope because God has designed us for strong and healthy families. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 1 to 12. You might remember this passage because this is a passage that Jesus quotes and the greatest commandment. We read that last week. And as always, if you've missed any of the messages or if you want to go back, always go to our website, KaimiKeyChristian.org, and there's lots of resources. There's sermon resources, there's, there's uh, uh, Bible study resources, spiritual development resources. So always go to our website and see what's going on there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting with verse 1. Moses just got the Ten Commandments. And then now we read these. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life, hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you 
sit at home and when you wake and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so Deuteronomy 6, 3 to 9 is, a, is, a, is, a, is God's prescriptions for strong and healthy families. So first of all, here's what we see. We see we're to, we're to love God. And what's fascinating is that we love God and everything else flows from that. Loving God and everything else flows from that passage. So First, we're to love God. Secondly, we're commanded to teach God's word to our children. And these two requirements are foundational for strong families. Love God, teach his word. Love God and teach his word. So let's look at how this is played out. Let's use this Deuteronomy 6 passage as a springboard to kind of flesh this out on how that could apply to our lives today. Whether you're single, whether you're a parent, grandparent, Whatever situation you are in, let's figure out how that applies to us today. So here are some qualities of a strong family. Number one, godly parents. Godly parents. Since children are influenced more by their parents, children are more influenced by, by our actions than they are by our words. They're like sponges. And they soak up everything. I don't know about you. I mean, my kids have never done this, but have you ever heard your kids or grandkids maybe say something that shouldn't come out of their mouths? I mean, never have never happened to me ever. Like the other day, it didn't happen to me. <laughs> Why? Because they are sponges and they learn more by our actions. A healthy uh, characteristic of a healthy family is when is when mom and dad are growing in their Lord, in the Lord, and 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 when mom and dad are known by their love. Say love. When mom and dad are known by their love. Another characteristic is consistent parents. Since children are influenced more by what their parents do and say, our actions must always match our words. So if we say this is the rules of the house, we should probably abide by the rules of the house that we have. And, and, and we need to be consistent. And now that is difficult. All these things we're talking about is, isn't easy. But these are things we're called to do as followers of Christ. Another characteristic of a healthy family is to be good listeners. We live in a busy world. We live in a time when everything is going on, and sometimes we get home from work and we don't want to listen to our kids. We don't want to listen to our grandkids. But here's what is so important about listening. When we listen to our children, to our grandchildren, what that communicates to them is that they have value. 
and that they are actually worthy of being young men and young women who are worthy to listen to. If they know mom and dad listen to them, they will seek out other friendships of people who listen to them as well. So good listeners. Another characteristic is discipline without rejection. Parents, we should never discipline our children in anger. Now, I wish I could tell you that I have never disciplined my children in anger. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Except for yesterday, the kids were not listening. And I told the kids, now, behave. <laughs> Go to your rooms. Bless you. In my mind, anyways. And then Kaz says, uh, Brian, why are you being so harsh on them? And I, this is, just happened yesterday. And I looked at her and I go, I don't know. That's why we marry up, by the way, guys. <laughs> but here's the deal. I wish I could say I've never disciplined my kids out of anger, where I've never lost my cool with them, where I've never, you know, got to the point when I made them feel like this little because of the things I've said to them. And, and yesterday when I got mad at Abby, I had to go and apologize to her because I told her what I did and how I treated her in terms of the words I said and how forceful I was. I said, Daddy was wrong, and I'm sorry. But we need a discipline out of love, not out of anger. And there have been many times where parents will discipline out of anger. And, and here is something. If this is like an ongoing issue with you, and I'm serious when I say this, if this is an ongoing issue where you have a tendency to, 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 to parent more out of anger than out of love, that is a good indication, I'm 100% serious here, that, that it, it would be a good time to seek professional counseling because there's something more going on than, than kids, your kids just not behaving. So, so think about that. If that's you, take the step today, tomorrow, to, 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 to make an appointment with a professional Christian counselor to work through some of that st stuff. Another characteristic is when parents love one another. When children see mom and dad loving one another appropriately, that is amazing. Now, mom and dad might kiss each other or hug, and the kids might go, ew. But inside, they're saying, oh. Thank you. They will never say it. But that is creating security when mom and dad love one another. When mom and dad love one another, there is security within the kids. And here's what that means, parents. And I'm talking to myself. We need to carve out time in our schedules to take our spouse out on dates. Whether it's the, the wife initiating or the husband initiating, however it works in your family, take time to initiate those dates. Just like when you were dating, we still date. That's what we do when we get married. You still date your spouse. And it's easy to not do that because life gets busy, kids get crazy, and then you're like, I'm tired, I don't want to do it, we're already married, I got the ring, we're not going anywhere. But, <laughs> but... Healthy families, healthy mom and dad is a healthy recipe for healthy families. So parents love one another. Do not play favorites. If a parent shows preference for one child over another, it makes that one child feel they're insignificant and they're not loved and they're not valued. And it makes the one who is favored feel awkward and not really knowing how they're going to handle those situations. 
do not show favorites. Another characteristic is admit failure. No one is a perfect parent. No one is a perfect parent. But even in our times of failure, we could use that as a time to train our children. Because if we admit our mistakes, our children will be more likely to admit their mistakes to us. And it doesn't matter if you have adult children. It doesn't matter if you're talking about your grandkids. Whatever it is in your situation, it's okay to admit when we mess up. And, and as the older they get, the more things you could admit to them. It, it's a, it's a, a wisdom in, uh, part in, in terms of how you know, an age-appropriate things that you would admit to, to your kids or your grandkids. But if they know mom and dad, if they know grandma and granddad are, are, are not perfect, and they're still working through things, that gives them permission to say, hey, I messed up the other day, and here's what happened. So admit failure, pray together. Pray together. Abby and I have a ritual every single day. So Abby goes to the best private school on island, Kaimakee Christian School. And she, <laughs> give it up, yes. And... <coughs> And she has the best preschool teacher, uh, Miss Stacy. So, um, so she goes to this uh, private school, and, and, and obviously it's here, and it's amazing, by the way. Um, and um, I say that from a parent perspective, not from the person who oversees everything. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but we drive. We get on the H1, and we have t- two rituals. One is there's a construction site right when you get off on Wailai there. I don't know what they're building, but there's this ditch that they're digging gets like bigger and bigger. And we're like, whoa. And so we always talk about that, that thing there. And we have a little song that we sing type deal from a, car, from a kid's fictional character called Blippi. And it's, it's really funny. And, and I won't sing it for you because I'll butcher it and you'll just think I'm even more crazy. But that's one thing. The other ritual is this. As I say, Abby, can I pray for you? And nine times out of ten, she says Yes. The time she says no is probably because she's cranky or because she's mad or something, but or tired. And so nine times out of ten, I will pray with her, and I pray that God's blessings upon her. I pray that she's able to see how much God loves her, and I pray that God uses her to be a blessing to her classmates, and I pray for her teacher, and I pray for her kids. Uh, I mean, not her kids, because I'd be worried she had kids, but her classmate peers. Okay, you all know what I'm talking about. All right, she's only five. <laughs> so... We, 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 we pray together, and, um, and, 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 and here's what's amazing about marrying up. I wish I could say I came up with that idea, but Kaz was the one that came up with that idea. And, uh, yeah, she's the spiritual giant. So, 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 so pray with your kids. Pray with your grandkids. It doesn't have to be this long thing like, dear Lord, God in heaven, just be real. And let them know you're praying for them. You know what's awesome is when they start initiating prayers. But it starts with the examples of from the parents and from the grandparents and from extended families. So uh, pray together. Another, another one is read the Bible together. Read the Bible together. So Kaz and I have a routine that we will read the Bible slash tell Bible stories to, to Abby and Lily um, before they go to bed. The little one, Hananiah, I mean, she doesn't know anything because she's just six months, which is amazing. But she's just six months, so, you know, she's not there yet. So, so I, I, I'll tell Bible stories to, Lil, to, to Abby. 
and Cavs will read stories to, to Lily. But the thing is, is that Abby has heard a lot of Bible stories. And it gets to the point where I'm telling her a Bible story and she stops me and she says, Dad, I've already heard that one. And I'm going to my, like, I'm going, like, back in my, like, banks here. Like, okay, what Bible story have I not told her yet? And then I'm like, can I just tell you this one? Like, I know you've already heard it, but let me just tell it to you anyways. And she's like, no, I want another one. I'm like, okay. So I'm reading through the book of Genesis. And you know what I realized about the book of Genesis? There's a lot of Bible stories I can't tell my kids because it's not age appropriate. Just read the first 20 chapters of Genesis. It is crazy stuff there. If you... Anyways, so, but, but read the Bible with your kids. Tell them stories. Have fun with it. And the beauty is when you start seeing this application part come out of it, when they start wanting to apply it to their lives, it is, it is amazing. Um, an another thing <clears throat> we need to do is we need to teach our children how to handle money. We need to teach our children how to handle money. So, so we need to start instructing our children to save some give some, and spend some. The biblical example is a tithe. A tithe is 10%. The first 10% we give to the, to the Lord. And my philosophy is we do the 10%, but we don't stop there. We, we, that's our, like, goal, right? That's our starting point, you know. For some, it's, it's different depending on finances. But then my goal, my philosophy is get 10%, but then you keep trying to work it up. Um, and so every Friday we have chapel right in here, which is amazing, by the way. Like to see all these little kids in here playing. You got lower chapel, you got upper chapel. They're singing songs, the band's playing. It's amazing. But every chapel they have an offering time where, where they walk in, they give, drop off their offering, which I love because the school is teaching our children that everything we have is God's. Whether it's money, whether it's possessions, it all belongs to God. So, so every Friday uh, Abby will bring an envelope and drop it off. And one day I, I was testing her. Whether this was a good thing to do or not, I don't know. But I got a $10 bill, and I said, Abby, here's a $10 bill. And she's probably thinking she could buy, like, a brand-new house with this $10 bill. I said, you could, you could have this $10 bill for yourself and just keep it, or you could give it to the Lord in chapel on, uh, it was on Thursday night, so on uh, tomorrow. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this better work. <laughs> And she says, oh, I want to give it to the Lord. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But we need to teach our children about money. We need to teach our children that everything we have belongs to the Lord. We also need to discourage criticism in the family. We need to teach our family how to work through difficult times in a healthy way. Conflict's going to happen. It's inevitable. But are we working through these issues in a healthy way? We also need to share our heartaches and our disappointments and our trials and our tough times. When, when our kids know that we're going through tough times, but they see how we react during these tough times, that is a great example of what God can do in our lives when things aren't going well, if we do it, if we do it in a healthy way. Another characteristic is allow those difficult questions. Children... And millennials and Generation Z, they don't want trite answers. Because trite answers say that life is easy and simple. But as we all know, life is not easy. Life is not simple. And so when someone comes to us with a difficult question, whether it's about the Bible or theology or about, about the world around us or about 
the current situation of the day and we try to wrap it up in a nice, neat little bow, they don't want that. We've got to encourage our children to ask those tough questions, but then allow them to wrestle with these questions. And sometimes the best thing to do is when they ask you a question, ask them another question. Then ask them another question. And what they're doing is they're processing through all of this stuff here. And what we're doing is we're being real and we're being authentic with them as well. And so let's talk real briefly about extended families. Extended families, in-laws. In-laws can be amazing and great and sometimes not so amazing and great. I'm fortunate that, uh, well, actually, one time this guy said, you're the most brilliant person in the world. And I said, well, thank you very much. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you married somebody whose parents live on a different continent. (laughs) I said, thank you very much. The beauty is that I actually like my in-laws. They're amazing. And so, uh, so in my case, I don't have that, you know, adversarial connection with them. But extended families. You know, let me give you two principles for extended families. Number one, be loyal to your spouse. Be loyal to your spouse. When uh, 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 if your wife gets in a spat with your parents, always take the side of your wife in the moment. Here's why: because it's going to be a lot easier to work through that relationship with your spouse, who you live with every single day, and you you made those vows with. Then you could go back to your parents and say, "Hey, I'm sorry." Always take the side of your spouse. It's the same thing um, with wives. Side with your husbands always. Marriage is a team. The two of you are a team. And I can say much more about this, but I want to get to this last part here. And the band could come on this note here. The reality is all of us need reconciliation. We all need forgiveness. We all need healing. That's the reality. Regardless of your upbringing, there's always hope. Regardless of your situation now, there's always hope. There's always healing. Regardless of if your parents were perfect or whether they were far from perfect or whether they weren't perfect, whatever, regardless of all of that, we love and serve a Heavenly Father who is perfect and who wants us to have a healthy, thriving, fulfilling relationship. That's the God who we serve. That's the God who created all things. And it's never too late for us to go to our children or our grandchildren and say, I'm sorry. It's never too late for us to go to our children and grandchildren and say, hey, here's why I'm sorry. Can we work on this together? And if you are a, 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 a um, you know, Uh, if you've offended your mom and dad or your grandparents in here, if you've offended them, it's never too late for you to go to them and say, I'm sorry, and to work through all of that. We've got to be honest. We've got to be real. We've got to be willing to share what is going on in our lives. And so what things will we implement today? What things will you implement today to be the spiritual champion of your family? Is there one thing you can improve this week to keep your family focused on God's plan for their lives? Is there one thing you can do to keep your family focused on God's plan for your lives? Now, 
There's much more I could say on this, but I just want to leave you with this thought. It is never too late to rebuild a relationship. It is never too late to be the one to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. It's never too late to take the high road and say, let me set things right. And so wherever you are in this, let me encourage you to take those steps today and see what type of healthiness can come from these relationships and these conversations you have. You are loved by God. God loves you. He cherishes you. He has forgiven you. And let's try to do all we can to muster up the courage to forgive those who have hurt us. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's respond to our God. Amen.